0: This is the Soulpreneur Lifestyle Podcast, your go-to place for creative ideas on how to run your business in a way that lights you up and gives you purpose, all in a way that still allows you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. And I'm your host, Simran Bhatia. And this episode is brought to you by the flowation.com directory of spiritual-minded healers and professionals. Imagine a resource where you can search for like-minded professionals to help you with everyday life issues, as well as to help guide you along your spiritual journey. We're launching soon, so soulpreneurs of every profession come join the waitlist to learn how you can promote your business products or services on the floation directory at floation.com backslash directory waitlist that is f-l-o-w-a-t-i-o-n.com backslash directory waitlist a universe of opportunities awaits you A few years ago, I read this advice that you should, if you are having trouble getting into a creative space of your own, you should pare down the amount of influencers or classes, et cetera, that you're taking down to just two or three individuals or organizations that you're following. And I took this advice to heart. And one of the people who I included in my list some six and a half, seven years ago that I felt really connected to that, you know, I liked the way they spoke was Kate Northrop, and she is our guest today. And I can say for me, her work has been very relevant, um, being somebody who is a feminine-minded, spiritual-minded, heart-based entrepreneur. And so she's actually been the only person out of my list um, that's been consistent out of those three people. Um, for the last six and a half years. Everyone else kind of rotates through depending on the season of work I'm in. And I love this current iteration of her work so, so much um, with the Origin Collective, which you'll hear about in the interview, and her work to bring basically our divine feminine energy to the forefront of how you do business. So man or woman, Everything that she is saying in this is super relevant. If you are a parent, you've ex- you've experienced the stress of trying to be a conscious parent along with being a very intentional entrepreneur. You'll relate um, if you that. And if you just are somebody who really wants to find a different way of managing your energy versus your time, then please listen in. She has so many wonderful insights on how to do this. So I really hope you enjoy this interview today. So today's guest with us is Kate Northrop. She has built a multimedia digital empire with her husband, Mike Watts, that reaches hundreds of thousands of people globally. And I am actually really super excited to do this interview because I'm a member of her Origin Collective membership and have been following Kate for about seven years now. Share what she has to say with the rest of you. Thank you so much, Kate, for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So for everyone listening, they're probably getting aware that you're promoting right now for a book called Do Less that you wrote, which I am super in love with because I've implemented this. And I wanted to that you really mentioned very, very briefly in the book, which was the idea of using somatic therapy as a tool when you were entering couples counseling or therapy. I assume you've done similar things related to your personal growth in your business. And I want to kind of explore more the internal landscape of what was going on in your mind, heart, soul, as you started expanding your business, going from one person to including your husband to now a team of six or seven people. Everyone knows there's real world logistics involved in hiring, but as a business owner who's so in tune with yourself, what was coming up for you for healing your insecurities? How did you work past it? Did you use any kind of spiritual tools in that process to heal and move past?
1: And this is when we were expanding our team or when Mike joined me in the business.
0: Well, just, you know, the whole process of going from one to many.
1: Yeah. Okay, great. So, um, my, so in the somatic therapy that I've done with Mike in couples therapy, what we uncovered, what I uncovered is that my sort of core wound that I keep circling back to is feeling unsupported. Um, just, you know, childhood stuff, right? So it's really interesting talking about expanding our company you know going from just me to then um, me and a virtual assistant to then me and Mike and a virtual assistant and um, and then we actually expanded our company to about 10 people. And recently we've we've done some massive simplification again. So really like growing a company for us has been a process of expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction. Um, So I think this like really speaks to the concept of how uh, progress to me is not linear. Um, It really is cyclical. And we are in these... um, cycles of expansion and contraction all the time. And I think as entrepreneurs, we often get caught up and really stuck thinking that because we're not always growing, um, if anything isn't growth, then it means we're failing. Um, And so I just want to be a beacon for anybody who feels like maybe they are taking two steps forward and one step back to let you know that that's totally normal and sometimes simplification and taking things down to the studs is actually part of growth. So we've gone through a big simplification in early 2019. So now we work with um, a team of four and in that early process and then and then some extra freelancers so i don't really know exactly the total number but anyway um it's smaller which has felt really great because interestingly enough um as we grew our team what we realized is there was a season of our life where that served us really well because I was on maternity leave with our second daughter for five months and Mike got really sick. So neither of us were working for quite a chunk of time and we needed a lot more bodies um, to run our company. And now we're both back to working full time. Well, for our version of full time, which is about 30 hours a week each um, And so we didn't need that many people anymore. But um, it's just like such an interesting experience um, because when we uncover, back to what I was saying before, like when we uncover whatever that core wound is, and usually each of us has like one or two core things and mine is, you know, not feeling supported. um, There's no amount of hiring that I could do to fulfill that core wound if I don't source feeling supported from within. So I think that a lot of us are spending our lives uh, and also in our marriages, in our companies, trying to fulfill a core wound Uh, through all kinds of different means, uh, making more money, um, trying to get adoration, you know, likes on Facebook, like whatever it is, but we need to, that's where the somatic experiencing or somatic therapy comes in. We really need to heal that part of us, uh, that part within us and source it from within so that we're not trying to fill it with something that could never fill it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. And I love that you brought that up. That reminds me of a scene that you describe in the book where you were sitting on opposite sofas with Mike, and then you talked about being able to fill this yourself. Do you mind sharing that story really quickly?
1: Yeah, of course. So we were caught in this loop, um, which by the way is a loop we come back to just like at a higher level of consciousness. So I see growth as like a spiral staircase where you do revisit the same thing over and over and over again, but from a higher state of consciousness. So I know that for Mike and I, probably we will be revisiting these same core wounds forever because it's part of the reason we attracted each other. Um, That's really based on the work of Harville Hendricks and getting the love you want. Um, and keeping the love you find, or something—I think—is his other book. Anyway, um, so Mike's thing is not feeling like he's enough, and my thing is not feeling supported. And of course, the more I fe- the less I feel supported, the less he feels like he's enough, and the less he feels like he's enough, the less I feel supported. So it really—if we're not awake to the pattern—it um, really we can dig ourselves in, into a hole really fast. Um, And so this particular moment, we were sitting on opposite ends of the living room, and at the time that our living room was really big, and on opposite couches, and it felt like we were like five miles apart from each other. And then there was this moment, because we just kept being in the loop of like him feeling like he wasn't enough, and me feeling not supported, and we just kept like hammering the same thing over and over again with, with the ways that we felt like the other person was doing us wrong and not giving us what we needed. And then it, re- I realized all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh my gosh, there is literally nothing Mike could do to make me feel supported if I'm not finding a way to feel supported within myself." Like if I'm letting my, you know, seven-year-old girl or fourteen-year-old girl run my adult life, there's literally nothing Mike could ever do to fill the support-sized hole that I have. Um, because Mike is like the most supportive person on the planet. And for him too, I said, honey, there's nothing I can ever do to make you feel like enough. You have to source that from inside. And if we keep looking to each other to fix the thing, we're going to feel empty forever and we're never going to be able to move past this. Um, And it was, it was a great, it was like a pretty profound moment because in that moment, I realized I didn't need Mike to be different, and he realized he didn't need to be, me to be different. We had to shift the way we were perceiving ourselves and look to, for myself, like, okay, how can I, how can I support myself today? Where can I source that support from within today? And not even just from myself on a personal level, but I'm a a very spiritual person. So where can I source that support from the universe, from God, goddess, from the divine? Um, For me, that's been huge.
0: That is incredible. I mean, to go from that moment of feeling so distant while being in the same room, to having such a profound shift of literally understanding the essence of this other person, and then to be able to move forward from yeah. there. I love that. And that, that brings me, you made a comment about letting your seven-year-old girl um, dictate kind of the terms of your existing life. And I want to take that a little bit further into something else you talked about in the book, which was your postpartum anxiety. You touched on it briefly. Um, Was the inspiration for Do Less or for Origin something that came in reaction to that anxiety, like something to help you cope? Or was it something that perhaps just, you know, you knew about or were working on before? And did it play any part in helping relieve that anxiety in your life?
1: That's a great question. Um, I've never really thought about it that way before. So, yeah, I think it was definitely, now that I'm thinking about it, um, what ended up happening is I got my period back when my first daughter was 13 months old. And at that time, I got really fascinated by my cycle and how it worked and what was going on in my body and from a neuro um, you know, a neuroscience standpoint, like what was going on in my brain at each phase of my cycle, because I hadn't had a cycle for so long. I lost my period before getting pregnant um, due to uh, a fitness program that I was doing. And then I got my period once and then got pregnant. And then I was pregnant for nine months, of course. and um, And then I didn't get it back for 13 months after my daughter was born. So it was like two and a half, three years that I didn't have it. And then when it came back, it felt like this return to myself in a very profound way um, after um, basically like losing it and then also being the home to this other being and being the sustenance source to this other being. Like it felt like, oh, I'm, I'm my own again. And it felt really good. And it was the first time in my life I had ever been excited about my period. And then I started tracking it. Um, And it was really exciting to me because of how predictable it was. And I had read in Luann Brizendine's book, The Female Brain, that um, the number one indicator for maternal well-being from a mental health perspective is um, predictable resources, so predictable support. And I, given my core wound of not feeling supported, (laughs) I had not felt anything predictable around motherhood, largely because motherhood is incredibly unpredictable and I can't control my children, much to my chagrin. But also, and like I have a very supportive, amazing, consistent partner. But the thing is, when we have a core wound, like again, our life circumstances can't actually fix it. (laughs) We have to fix it from within. And so for me, tracking my own physical experience of living in a female body and noticing how predictable it was and noticing that I knew like, I'm going to feel more or less this way for the next five days. And then I'm going to change phases and I'm going to feel more or less this other way for the next, you know, six to seven days. And I would put it in my calendar and I would track it and I would organize my time a little bit around the different phases of my cycle. And I felt so relaxed for the first time since becoming a mother because there was something I could count on and it was my body. And after having gone through a very difficult pregnancy and a traumatic birth experience and a lot of issues with nursing and then postpartum insomnia and postpartum anxiety, I hadn't been able to count on my body for a very long time, or at least I didn't feel like I could. Like All of the things that I expected would come easily as a mother did not, none of them did. Um, Pregnancy, birth, nursing, nurturing, like all of it was so much harder than I expected. And it really rocked me to my core. And then when my cycle came back and I started tracking it and learning about cyclical living and seeing how this could be applied to not only just, you know, my, my physical and hormonal experience, but also to my projects, I just, it was like my, it was like just being a wash in calm for the first time in a very long time. And it felt so great.
0: I feel like you just told me my story back to me. (laughs) This is really interesting, but I had a really interesting aha as you were explaining this because I've been actually really clear because of the timeline that um, when I started implementing what you teach in origin and, you know, do less before the book came out, that that was very simultaneously parallel for me with my postpartum depression actually getting alleviated. Wow. But I had never put this piece together just now that you were talking about the predictability was probably the reason That's that that worked for me.
1: Fascinating. You know, I am going to I am going to post about this because I bet you and I are not the only ones. And I'm curious, like, has anybody else experienced this? Um, because it really is a real thing that the, the mom brain, in order to thrive, needs predictability in some way, shape, or form. And our bodies can provide it for ourselves. Or the moon, if you're not having a cycle for whatever I reason. I love
0: that. And so, oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. And so, so, okay, speaking more to this particular topic. Um, I know I have just been like, every mom group I'm part of, anyone who mentions anxiety or depression, I'm like, okay, let's get you on this origin plan. You need to join. Like, I I promise you this is gonna help because of the results I got. But what tips do you have for women that are maybe in that pregnancy, pre-pregnancy, pregnancy, pregnancy, postpartum kind of stage? like? you were just talking about can maybe apply these concepts in a way that you're teaching in origin and do less, um, to maybe either relieve or let up some of that anxiety or depression, or even maybe just avoid it to begin with. Cause it wasn't a great experience to be honest.
1: No, I agree. It was not a great experience. And I just want to say that I think a lot of the, you know, um, I know a drug just came out you know for postpartum depression, and, um, and you know there's various ways that people treat it, and it, it, we are talking about it more in our culture, which I think is really important and raising the stigma. But I also want to say a piece that I don't think is in the conversation nearly enough is how deeply unsupportive our society is of parents. Like we are just not set up for thriving as families. In this sort of insular family system that we have where, you know, the mom or the dad, but usually the mom is expected to be like this sole source of sustenance, fun, care, nurturing, safety, everything for this child until they go to school. And I understand, obviously, like we send our kids to daycare. We've had nannies. You know, I am not a stay-at-home mother where I'm all everything the end-all be-all for my kids, but I still think that there's this underlying cultural expectation that if we are not the end-all be-all for our children, that somehow we're failing them. And um, it's not normal. And that's not how children have been raised for hundreds of years. Children have been raised in community with other children around, with other caregivers around. And it's abnormal to be like on the living room floor playing with your mother every day until you go to kindergarten. It's just not, I I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's it's normal, like we need each other. And so I think that the reason that postpartum insomnia and postpartum anxiety is so rampant is because our society is not supporting us to thrive. So I just wanna say that one thing, um, just for anyone who's experiencing it, just so that like you don't think there's anything wrong with you. That was number one, and then number two. How could you tap into it um, if you are, you know, how could you how could you tap into this predictability if you are pregnant, if you are in the postpartum period, or whatever? um, Is to I I really like to track the moon, and I'll tell you why the moon has the four same phases as our menstrual cycle as women. And the same four phases are the exact same energetically as the four seasons. And that is no mistake. Like that is divine design. And it's organized perfectly so that all, all life on planet earth is sustained. Um, and it's the four energetic phases, it's like the four key ingredients that any project needs to get completed and to thrive as well. And so if we kind of begin to break our time down into these four energetic phases, we can see, we begin to see them everywhere. Um, so even in pregnancy, for example, the first trimester is kind of like the winter time it's the time when it looks like there's nothing happening but there's a lot happening you build, you form every single organ of a human body during that time but you don't even really look pregnant and then the second trimester is more like the springtime it's when you have higher energy levels and you're kind of in the middle of the pregnancy and a lot of women just like Experience this energetic surge. I did not, but the other women do. Um, and then the third trimester is like the summertime. It's kind of like that full bloom time. You know, you're you're very obviously showing you're you're gonna have a baby. It's like coming. Your baby is coming to full term. And then the fourth trimester is like the autumn. It's really that inward, cozy turning within. Uh, completion energy. So like even within pregnancy, there's these four phases, but the moon has them every single month. And even if you're not having a cycle, I recommend grabbing um, an app like the iLuna app and following somebody like Jennifer Rossiopi, who's our resident astrologer in origin. She teaches about lunar logic and just organizing yourself a little bit around something outside yourself that is actually connected to something inside yourself. As women, we are deeply connected with the moon. Um, when we are living without artificial light or in community, women's um, menstrual cycles begin to sync up with the moon. Most women will begin to uh, bleed on the new moon, but, um, but then some women will always bleed on the full moon. And uh, that's because the women who are bleeding on the full moon need some people to take care of them and vice versa so um so we're all organized for that but that's that's affected by the moon our bodies are affected by the moon whether we're having a a menstrual cycle or not and so i just like to track that and just kind of like notice on the new moon Okay, it's the new moon, this is the time to plant seeds and write a desire list or write an intention list. And then on the full moon, it's the time to look at what has come to pass um, and what we may need to let go of before the next lunar cycle. So I just like to organize it like that. Even those two little uh, pinpoints during the month can give us that sense of predictability that something is happening that we can expect every
0: single day. Okay, so... I'm doing like a slow clap to point one amen (laughs) Uh, on that because I mean really just I think you hit the nail on the head of like if society was structured in a way that was much more supportive to the mother and the father and the new family um, this wouldn't be happening but also because I interact and so do you with a lot of mompreneurs, right? Yep. So they're in the entrepreneurial space. They have even less support from the government or whatever yeah. um, in terms of getting paid maternity leave or any of that stuff. And so it does feel like, and this is just an assumption on my end that the postpartum anxiety, they're all, you know, spiritual minded entrepreneurs. And so I think this is so, so important that what you said is really the message is go find a support system, you know, in this process, because you cannot get through this alone. It's just not doable. It's
1: not doable Um, and it's not normal to expect ourselves to. So that's the other thing. I think that um, around the postpartum anxiety or depression or just any requirement of support that we have, there's this idea that that it's like the last resort is to find support. Like, oh, I'm throwing in the towel. I can't do it alone. I guess now I have to get support. No, support needs to be like water. Like you don't feel like you're weak because you need to drink water. You just need water because you're a human being. We just need support because we're human. It, it is no indication of failure or weakness or being less than at all. We just all need to eat. We all need to drink water And we all need support.
0: I love that example like just think of it the way it's just a normal need of your life it's not a failing on your part at all and I will say for number two I'm going to just share a really quick short story so I remember getting my period at 12 years old and obviously being horrified because it you know just the way it happened but What was really interesting for me, and I love the way the universe works, is that around the time that um, you had launched Origin and were teaching about these principles, I was back home at my parents' house and I found a journal that I had kept with all my dates for my period tracked out at 12, really obsessed with tracking it so I could save my sick days for gym class so I wouldn't have to actually... Do the gym activity on a day that was like period day number one or two. And it was really fascinating to me. And that, that was about as far as I took it though. That's so amazing. To have that concept come back in and be like, wow, if I had applied this back then to the rest of my life in all those like, you know, 12, 15 years that I missed in the middle of not doing it, I wonder what would have happened. And so, this really brings me. You have two daughters, and I think that's just a masterstroke by the universe because you have a sister. You grew up, you know, in a household where your mom was very much in the female, you know, um, empowerment kind of movement. All of that, and so are you. So, do you have any intentions to share all of this information with them from a really young age, maybe even a pre-period? age and if so how do you see that conversation going
1: this is a great question and it is really funny that we have two daughters um actually yeah i also so i have a a a full biological uh, sister you know from both my parents and then i also have another half sister um so it's like all the sisters <laughs> um, so So many girls. So many girls. I mean, God bless my dad, you know, with all his girls Um, and also Mike with all the girls. So, and my mom too. Okay. So basically I think that so much of what we teach our children is not what we say, but what we do. So I know for sure that my own healing around my body and my own listening to my body and organizing my schedule around it is, um, is the most important thing that I can teach my girls. And I won't even have to say a thing. So I know that for sure. Um, and then like, Just the normalizing of the cycle. Like the other day, you know, I was um, changing my diva cup or I don't even use a diva cup. It's something else, but I don't know what brand it is. So I'll just say it's a diva cup. I was just like dealing with that. And you know, when you have small children, like they just come into the bathroom. So Penelope is three and three quarters. Um, And she was just like, mama, what are you doing? What is that? What's happening? And I, and I, you know, I was just like, oh, well, when you get older um, every month, you'll have a moon time. And it's a really great time to take a rest. And, you know, I just gave her a little information. And she, you know, of course, as three-year-olds are, she was like, okay, (laughs) just like left. Um, But I think that so... Much of um, our shame around our bodies is just inherited from our mothers. And so I'm just doing my best to uh, heal and release that shame around my body because my girls 100% were not born with any shame around their bodies. Um, They think their bodies are amazing and I am doing my best to not – teach them any shame um, while at the same time keeping them safe because like, you know, it's also something that like we do live in a society where like you don't want to be walking down the street when you're 10, you know, lifting up your skirt. Like it's just, you know, so there's also that conversation that we're having. And so I'm just doing my best um, to try to be aware of what I'm teaching them mostly through modeling my own relationship with my body. And like, yes, I do think kids, can handle far more accurate information than we give them credit for. For example, the other night Penelope was obsessed over dinner asking me, Mama, how... Why, I don't understand how were you? How was I in your belly when you were in Lulu's belly? Lulu is my mother, and how was Ruby in your belly when you were in Lulu's belly? Like she was just confused by the whole thing, and I and I kept explaining it different ways. I was like, well, you weren't in my belly when I was in Lulu's belly. That was a long time ago. Blah blah, blah. and she just kept asking me a million questions, like three like three year olds do. And finally, I said, well, here's how it works you were an egg inside my belly when I was a tiny, tiny baby inside Lulu's belly. And so Ruby was also an egg inside my belly. And Penelope goes, oh, and she stopped asking questions. So I just think that like, we can give our kids age appropriate, accurate information because they know when we're telling the truth. And she was done with her questioning because I had actually given her, you know, a scientific fact.
0: I, I can so um, vouch for this as well. We have similar conversations in our house, even though I have a son and we're about to have a daughter. Um, I remember a situation. He was looking at one of our wedding pictures and he's like, why wasn't I invited? And I'm <laughs> like, you were there, but you were just an egg inside yeah. of mommy. You know, and we had this conversation and anyway, because they have no concept of privacy at this age. Yeah. No. Um for, you know, and, and he actually, I think, from a scientific perspective, understands what a period is. And I was like, I'm not going to not share this because you're a boy, because you will yeah. interact with women in your life at some point. And I want you not to be the guy that's, oh, she has PMS and I'm just going to avoid her exactly. as stereotyping. Um, and so I, I totally believe you that this is so wonderful to have that conversation. So I want to take this one step further, though, because I know you are as big of a follower of Dr. Shafali Sabari's work as I yes, am. Yes,
1: she's the best. And the,
0: Yes, she's amazing. And the conscious parenting. And literally, I think this is the biggest journey I've been on for the last four years is just trying to figure this out on an hourly basis. Yeah. So given um, now, like, you're getting very popular in the women's space. Your mom was on Oprah. I mean- there's a lineage kind of there silently, for yeah. the girls, for your daughters. How do you have this conversation without also projecting onto them that you must be this way? You must <laughs> live this out because this Oh my is God, convenient. I don't
1: know. <laughs> it's tough I mean, I will tell you, I do. like my grandmother was a major um, shaker up of the patriarchy. I mean, my grandmother, um, she, while she couldn't live out many of her dreams because she became a mother at a very, you know, she became a mother at 19 and she just, she lit, you know, she was coming of age in the 1940s. She just didn't have possibilities, um, like we do now, but I will tell you she set the stage for my mother to become who she was and for me to become who i am and so but listen like if my girls i just want them to be happy and like i will say i i never felt pressure from i will okay here's the honest truth i felt a lot of pressure from my parents to be successful (laughs) so like major um, in terms of just, you know, my parents both went to Ivy League colleges and it was like education is so important, getting straight A's. I mean, I was horrified if I got anything less than an A because I thought, like, you know, the world was going to come crashing down. In fact, I, I never got less than an A because I just wouldn't allow that to happen. So there was a lot of pressure for academic achievement in my um, in my childhood. And... I can already feel like it's so funny because when I picked, um, when I chose Mike, you know, as my, as my husband, I had some hangups because he, while he's an incredibly intelligent man, he didn't have like exactly the sort of like, he didn't come quite exactly in the package that I had expected given my own upbringing, but my body knew he was the right one. And so I've already been sort of unpacking those expectations and the programming I was born with. And so, or not that I was born with, I wasn't born with it, but I was raised with. Um, And like allowing, you know, allowing success to look like a lot of different things. And my whole work is really about unpacking, what does success even really mean? Like, what are we all doing this for? does it really actually matter all of these achievements and so i hope that as my girls get older i can continue to just be aware of that and let them go on their own path and not need it to be some sort of reflection of myself and not need it to be connected to this lineage of you know of women's leadership that i have chosen to step into but like if they don't want to choose to step into it I hope that that's okay with me. So, I don't know. My answer to your question is I don't know, but it's a good question.
0: (laughs) I love how honest you are, I have to say, because I find this to be a daily effort as well. I mean, both of us are entrepreneurs. We grew up with that stress, like you talked about in the house, of being high achieving. And I remember bringing up this conversation where I was like, he might not be an entrepreneur. Heck, he might not even want to go to college. Yes. Forget about getting married. Like maybe these institutions won't exist in 20 years. And I just remember the look on all of our family members' faces was like, she's just gone off, <laughs> off the ladder. Like something's <laughs> going on with this lady, you know. Um, and I was, you know, bringing it around from a conscious parenting. aspect. I'm like, just let's see what happens and let, yeah. let him be, you know. And yes. that was just so confusing. For everyone else. Um, So I hear you loud and clear on that. I I don't know either. I think she in following you. um, You guys have always been at least one year ahead of us in terms of just, you know, getting married having your each of your kids is one year older than ours. And so I was like, maybe you've cracked the code (laughs) and figured this out first. I mean, you have. You're
1: gonna have to check in with me when my kids are more in the like achievement years, because while I can have this nice, like, I can talk a good game about like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter, and da 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 da. Like, we'll see when my kid comes home with a C. We'll see when my kid tells me they're not going to college. But I will say this, like. I know for sure our higher education system needs a major overhaul. And I know for sure that if my girls say they don't want to go to college, like I am so willing to have that conversation because our educational system is effed. And um, I know so many wildly successful people who are incredibly happy who did not go to college. So I, I I, I think at least today that I'm cool with that.
0: I'm so glad to hear you even say that because I feel the same exact way. I mean, I feel like I spent more time in college trying to figure out how to get out of college. Oh my God, as fast totally. Possible. Me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, how do I make this into like a two and a half year experience instead of a four year experience? And then I had started my first business at the same time as well at 19. And I was just like juggling back and forth. But to me, I was like, I'm learning more at work then I am sitting here in class and this is really pointless. And so I fully agree with you there that there's so many other ways to get to whatever your definition of success is instead of taking this very traditional route yeah. of, you know, you have to sit and, and pretend to be an auditory learner all day long.
1: Good. Yes. Yeah, such a good point. Such a good point.
0: So I want to loop back though to the topic of eggs really quickly. Um, you talk about egg wisdom in the book, and that um, you've done several you know um, experiments in origin as well. And I want to talk about this from two angles. One is just the logistics of egg wisdom, because it can be so easily misconstrued as just throw your legs up and sit back. Um, so how do you truly apply it can you give us a tangible example and then also second part is I know men can sit here and think oh this is just a woman thing right because they're talking about something that is about the female reproductive system so how do men take this conceptually and apply it to their lives as well Mm, yeah good question so um Egg wisdom is really
1: this concept that uh, biologically in women we uh, during our reproductive years, if everything's you know working um, as it is supposed to we ha- we ovulate once a month, and an egg comes out of our ovaries and it sits and it waits to be fertilized and as the egg is sitting there, it's releasing a signal essentially that tells the sperm where it is, and that signal also speeds up the rate at which the sperm's tails swim towards her. And so she's like energetically putting out a very clear signal saying, I'm here, I'm available. And she speeds up the rate at which her desire comes to her by putting out that clear signal. Then when the egg show, when the sperm shows up the egg decides which sperm she's going to let in. So when I said I chose Mike as my husband and to be my partner, I didn't mean that on purpose. Like we choose. The feminine principle is receptive, but she chooses who she receives. So she has firm boundaries and she also chooses. So she can be have great boundaries and be receptive at the same time. It can be this flow. And then when the sperm um, comes in and fertilizes the egg, if there's anything wrong with it, she has the ability to repair the sperm's DNA and make it better. And then she has enough nutrients within her to travel down the fallopian tube, down into the uterus uh, to embed into the uterine lining, which is the next source of nutrients. But oftentimes that takes several days. So she has enough nutrients for that journey for her and the sperm. So that's kind of what egg wisdom is about. So that's the biological process, but the, that's an energetic sort of metaphorical process. And I learned about this from my mom, Christian Northrup. Um, she's the one who coined the term egg wisdom. And so when I am thinking about my desires, I think about, okay, am I trying to be the sperm swimming wildly with like a million other sperms trying to get into the egg, like giving it, giving it my all, being totally like all action, or am I being the egg, which is putting out a very clear signal and receiving? what comes and choosing what comes. And so I don't think it's either or, by the way, in order to get what we want, we need to embrace both the feminine and the masculine principles. But most of us have been programmed to believe that the only way to get what we want is to be in the masculine, is to essentially be the sperm. And so I literally, during my meditation, will imagine myself as an egg radiating this signal for what I want and getting into alignment with receiving it. Um, and so what that means to me, I actually just did a masterclass with uh, Dr. Shafali about manifesting and we talked about egg wisdom and how to be the egg when we're manifesting. And we talked about really getting into energetic alignment with what we want by tapping into the formless energy of the form, meaning let's say I want, this is like, not a great example because I don't actually want this. But let's say I'm like interested in some sort of luxury sports car, which I wouldn't even know what brand that. I like I that's not my area. But let's <laughs> say I did want that, then it's not the form, right? Because we are spiritual beings. It's not the form of the car that I'm focused on. It is the the formless aspect. So is it um, the feeling? of luxury? Is it the feeling of going fast? What is the formless energy? And so for me, egg wisdom is cultivating that sense of bliss and joy in my physical body so that I am an energetic match for the formless energy of the form thing that I desire. Um, Whether it's an interview with somebody specific, whether it is um, a certain number of book sales, whatever it is, it's like those things don't actually matter. It's the formless energetics that do. And to me, egg wisdom is like getting into that vibrational alignment and knowing that my physical bliss and my physical feeling of alignment is going to be 10 times more important than focusing on the actual thing that I want.
0: Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I've used this through and through so many times um, over the last couple of years. Can you give us maybe an actual example from your life or your business though, where you have really used this concept of egg wisdom and what results you got from it?
1: Yeah, so for example, two weeks before my book came out, two weeks before Do Less came out, I got this inspiration to do a Los Angeles book launch event which really didn't make any sense because I am not from LA. I do not have a significant community in LA. I live outside of Portland, Maine. It's far away. I have small children. (laughs) There were so many reasons and it was two weeks away. So many reasons not to do this, but it felt like I just really wanted to. It was this clear, it was a very strong desire. And that to me was egg wisdom. So I put it out there. I went about putting out a clear signal, which requires in human form, a few action steps. And so those action steps were emailing a venue and um, just also uh, looking for the support. Like how could I be supported in this so that I am not holding the whole thing by myself. And very quickly and easily, by trusting my gut instinct, I reached out to this author who I have never met before. I reached out to her on Instagram and we ended up connecting. And it uh, turns out she knew, you know, she knew my work and we have a bunch of friends in common. And she said, Do you want to do an in conversation in LA to sell books? For, you know, with me to sell your books, and it was just pure egg wisdom. It was like I had put out the clear desire to do this event, and she was responding, and so I just kept saying yes to the next right thing, and uh, what ended up happening is through a series of me sending out invitations. I mean, I did actually take action steps, but what I did is I asked for help, so I knew it wasn't only me required to hold this, I I sort of widened my base of support by reaching out to people and asking them to also put out the signal. So it was sort of like asking other people to be the egg with me. And whether that was posting on their Instagram, you know, inviting their friends. I had one woman, um, Lori Harder, who's such an angel, show up with like 10 female entrepreneur friends, uh, which was so incredible that she did that. Um, And I know that that was me trusting my strong desire and trusting that however it was going to manifest was also the right way. And I really got into alignment because we sent out the invite and we sold nine tickets. And I was like, okay, it's 10 days until this event and we've sold nine tickets. And I was like, well, I just either need to decide to cancel this or get into agreement that I'm going to do this event with nine people. And so I just decided, you know what? I'm gonna show up and do this event for nine people. I'm going to give them what I've got. And I'm going to show up for the people who show up, and so that felt really good because then I was no longer trying to hang my sense of self worth on some outside number of like I don't even you know like I just was like this doesn't have anything to do with how worthy I am. Um, this is about me showing up and and having a good time and delivering for these folks and so Um, I trusted that. And I trusted that the people who were going to be there were going to be there. So that was my egg wisdom. It was releasing and not needing to freak out. I wasn't like running around, like freaking out. I decided not to. And then uh, when the actual event happened, uh, we had 70 people there and it was amazing. It was like one of the best nights of my life. So, I mean, that's that's kind of egg wisdom it's that dance of trusting our desire and taking the right actions but also um not overworking like not working ourselves into a lather in worry and fear that we're not going
0: to get what we want i just love that description And so for the men in our audience, like what tips can you give them? Because this is really about shifting from the doing and the hustle and the frantic energy to the like silence and the calm and the just, you know, being happy and being in the right vibration. And I think because women actually experience what you're talking about biologically, but for the men in the audience, what tips can you give them to be able to make that shift into that energetic space?
1: Yeah. So um, for men, so we all have masculine energy within us. We all have feminine energy within us, uh, men and women and, uh, you know, anybody who identifies as anything in between. So just know that, like, it doesn't matter what gender you were born with or what, um, you know, what organs you have. It's really, this is energetic. This is not, Yes, egg wisdom is a biological example of an energy that's inside each one of us, regardless of our organs. And so for men, you've also been programmed to believe that the only way to get what you want is to push harder and work more and deliver more and just go, 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 go and always be in action. And that's not serving you either. And so we all as a culture need to shift more into embracing the feminine. And so for a man that also means having a very clear desire. I mean, men can manifest just as well as women, um, even if you don't have ovaries. So it's really about having that clear desire and looking at, I mean, we have a do less filter in our company, so we ask ourselves, how can we get this outcome in the most simple way with the least amount of steps? And really that's egg wisdom at work. It's minimizing effort for the result, And that has to do with simplification, that has to do with subtraction rather than addition of steps, of processes, of, you know, of complications. Just we, we think that if we want more, we need to do more. But oftentimes subtraction is actually the answer. And so for men, women, Doesn't matter who you are. um, We can all be the egg a little bit more and trust that our desire is coming to us in one shape or form. And if we focus on cultivating the formless energy of the thing that we want, that we will guaranteed get the thing that we need, even if it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to.
0: That is awesome. So, as we wrap up, um, let's say someone goes and picks up Do Less and starts reading it. I've heard now from so many different people their major takeaway being so different. Sometimes it's about time management, sometimes it's about boundaries, it's about self worth. Um, What is your tip to the reader of Do Less that when they close that book and they finish that book to figure out for themselves? what was their big takeaway?
1: Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know what each person's takeaway is going to be. I can't determine that for them, but I can say this. What I hope you get out of the book is to know that your body is your ally, not your adversary, and she is your greatest source of power and pleasure and productivity.
0: Oh, I love that. That is amazing. So now on to our last two questions. Uh, first, being, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream?
1: Oh, um, Oreo, coffee, coffee Oreo, by far.
0: That's an interesting combination.
1: It's amazing. And, <laughs> and
0: I, <laughs> I have, have only to try found it, out. it like
1: a few places.
0: I was say I've never actually heard of it. We have a big tub of Oreo in our fridge um for my brother-in-law but i've never heard of oreo and coffee but i will definitely have to try it so good if
1: you're ever in maine Um, kettle cove ice cream has it and i love them
0: so everyone in maine make sure you go over to kettle cove and ask for the kate northrup (laughs) they won't know what you're talking about and last one last one where can people find you online if they are just fascinated with what you're teaching and they now want to connect and learn what you have to offer where are you
1: yeah i'm at katenorthrop.com so if you are wanting to get your book go to katenorthrop.com forward slash book and you'll be able to get a bunch of bonuses um including that masterclass with dr shefali on manifesting Um, And then I also have over there a uh, weekly planning ritual that's going to save you two hours a day and it only takes about 11 minutes. Um, So you can get that for free. And then at Kate Northrup on Instagram is also a good place to find me.
0: Awesome. Well, I can say from personal experience, Kate is really open and ready to interact. And so I suggest everybody you know, reach out, get the book and get going and start transforming your lives today. Thank you so much, Kate, for being with us today.
1: Thank you, this was
0: fun. I wanna say a big thank you for listening in. Without your support, there wouldn't be a podcast. If you've gained insight or inspiration from this podcast, Please subscribe for regular updates and please share this podcast with someone you know who will benefit. Do you have a story to share about your own soulpreneur lifestyle that you set up, have a life or business problem you'd love a system for, or want to be an anonymous caller for one of our live segments? then go to your Anchor app or the Anchor website, find this show, and click on message and record your story or question. You can also find the show notes on our website at floation.com backslash T-S-L-P. That's F-L-O-W-A-T-I-O-N dot T-S-L-P. And subscribe to the T-S-L-P Insider to get a look behind the scenes of what it takes to bring this podcast to life. And get some exclusive offers that are only available to our email subscribers. Also, don't forget to follow at Floation on Instagram to get updates about this podcast.